to 54th. I'm Garrett Brown. I'm Preston Brown, and we're excited to have you join us on our show. And today with us, we have Laura. So we'll have Laura introduce herself for us. Hi, I'm Laura Brown. I am the stepmom, mom to these two wonderful gentlemen that, yeah, I'm happy to finally get around to doing this podcast with them and share a little bit about what my life was growing up. Thanks, mom. Yeah, we love you too much to call you stepmom or something else. So we certainly call you mom. And I love you guys. Yeah, you're mom to us. I love I love that. Grateful to have yeah. you and grateful to have you on the show. Yeah, we're Thank really you. excited to talk with you today. I guess there's a lot of things we know about you, but you know, also a lot of things that we don't know about you. So we're excited to learn some things and get to know you a bit more and hear your story about what it's like living north of the 54th in the peace country. It's cold. <laughs> there, we're done, right? <laughs> it's cold for half of the year and muddy for the other half, full of mosquitoes. Uh, it's it's cold for 90% Obviously. and not cold for 10 <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like this year. It's all good. Yeah, so born in Edmonton back in July 1972, almost 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's big. It's a big one this year. I don't know if I'm ready for it. My parents, my dad was working there and I have an older brother. Can't remember why my dad decided to come up to Grand Prairie, obviously probably for work. And up we came. I don't know what, what time of year it was, but I remember living in our house on 85th Ave. Always growing up there, always playing at the little park on the corner. And in Grand Prairie, there was nothing south of us. Our backyard was a big mud pit. There was no business, there were no houses. <laughs> you can imagine that. Back in 19, I guess we moved up here, I want to say 1973 or 74. I was just a couple of years old. So yeah, pictures of me playing out in the backyard in the mud. My, my mom's mom was out there playing with me and... <laughs> It was it was good times. It was good times growing up. It was a it was a small community then. College was only half the size. There just didn't seem to be a lot. Anyway, so just grew up there, went to a preschool. It was like I was just reminiscing through my books today as getting ready for the podcast. I'm like, I know I went to preschool, but where and what? And it it was it was a religious preschool, but it was just something we my parents had put me in and then my first recollection of school, though, was kindergarten. And the reason being is kindergarten was at the composite high school. I would get bussed over there in the afternoon. And I remember the big bubble windows that used to be on the side of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we would always try to climb in them and play in them. And but yeah, that was that was definitely a recollection. And fast forward my grade 11 year we'll come back again but my grade 11 year of French in high school was my kindergarten class it was the exact same classroom obviously different but right wow that classroom that classroom was my kindergarten classroom I specifically remember that which was cool because then my grade 12 French teacher was my grade four French teacher Mr. Kluke wow so <laughs> definitely yeah, it was that's just some of the recollections of schooling. 
Do you remember if they had middle school, like an elementary school in the composite high school and then changed it and made it more high school? Or was it just full like K through 12 in the one school when you were there? No, they just pulled kindergarten in. I just don't know why, other than they probably didn't have room for the kindergarten in the school I would have gone to, would have been Parkside School. Yes. Just off Resources Road there. They didn't have room, so they bust the kindergarten kids over to the comp. Wow. Yeah, but then it was it was high school students, so <laughs> it's just where they had room for kindergarten kids, I guess. So, yeah, and then so then grade one through five, I went to Parkside. What I remember about that school was they had this huge incinerator where they would burn the garbage right next to the playground. Oh man! Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's not there anymore. Thank goodness. But- is that like? Was that incinerator for the school or yeah. was it like yeah. for the municipality? No, it was for the school. That's where they burn the garbage every night from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, we were always warned to stay away from it. And then by the time, I don't know what grade it was, grade three or four, that school had grown so much that they brought portables in. And I remember that was kind of interesting as a young person on what that meant and, you know, having that extra space and such. So. Then, yeah, I think I'll just go through all the school and then go back and reminisce about life. Is that okay, you guys? Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Then grade six, my mom thought it was a good idea to move us to Harry Balfour School. I think it was just easier with her being the secretary and keeping a better eye on us. I don't know if we were going to get into trouble or what. But yeah. Did she drive you to school? Yeah, we would drive and she would go speeding down a hundred. <laughs> street every morning trying to hit all the lights green and there were times the police officer would pull us over (laughs) (laughs) because she'd always end up running one of them red usually or yellow (laughs) so my sister and I went went there my brother and went to Montrose down when Montrose school was downtown Grand Prairie where the library is now right yeah where there was an art gallery there type thing in yeah. between the light, yeah, there was the library, then the art gallery, art gallery, and before that, it was Montrose, right. yeah, and that was just strictly junior high for that because he was a couple of years ahead of me. Then I had the privilege of <laughs> the opportunity, I don't know what it was. Um, I repeated grade six, so I did got to do grade six twice. I was pretty low academically, I guess they thought, so I could benefit from that. It was okay, I guess. It. I was already a new student at the school, so I had, hadn't built a lot of friendships that first year at Harry Balfour. So it is what it is. And then school was school. Went grade six, grade seven, grade eight, grade nine at Harry Balfour. And then grade 10, I moved over to the Composite High School for 10, 11, 12, and then graduated in 1991. Do you remember how large your graduating class was in 91? I don't, I I could probably find that out for you, but I I, I do have our program from the grad, but I (laughs) did lose my, I I lost my, my uh, yearbook. So that's okay. I want to say probably, I want to say a couple hundred, but give or take. I remember at the Harry Balfour school when I was in junior high there, finding your picture in the graduating class Mm -hmm. photos that they kept putting up the wall every year. Yeah. 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 
so it's, it's it's kind of a big thing like this is the last year for the comp right because they they built the new composite high school here so they'll be moving over there come september so there's a lot of talk online of what to do with all the pictures and memorabilia from the days past at that school. Do they carry them forward and do a memory at the at the new school, or you know, continue that legacy of what the comp is or whatever? But that's an old school of the comp, isn't it? It is a very old. It's probably black and white photos. Well, if you think it was up in '79, would have been would have been kindergarten for me. Yeah. So yeah. You know, Garrett, one of the owners for Turcon, like Cliff and John yep. Turner, mm-hmm. they graduated from that school. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they were like, they were like kind of old when I knew them 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but growing up from grade one to five, I remember walking to Parkside School because from 85th Ave, it was just a few blocks down and losing my scarf in the trees along the way and the long walk in the snow and one day I remember the school next to Parkside was St. Gerard's. There used, I don't think it's there anymore, but there was a huge sledding hill there and a bunch of trees in between the schools. And I remember my brother was supposed to walk us home one day and he, we thought we'd go play on the hills while we were waiting. And all of a sudden he's screaming for help because this guy's beating him up in one of the bushes and stuff with his steel toe boots holy cow so we were we ran for help and <laughs> yeah it was it's crazy crazy times back then and even for a small town yeah so just graduated so some of the things i remember as a child growing up I remember the first time i got glasses as a child and my dad worked at the college and I remember we were there visiting him and I went to take a drink of water and I my face got so close to the water fountain because of the not sure of the distance that I got water in the face. And um, family has told me that I looked at, you know, looking outside in the fall and I'm like, oh, look at all the pretty colors on the of the leaves because I hadn't really seen them because my one eye, my right eye is, was so bad that I guess I just didn't recognize it. A memory from grade one was my teacher, Mrs. Forrest, I was writing with my right hand and she took the pencil out of my right hand and put it in my left. I don't know why. Sorry, you mean the other way? She took it out of your left and put it in your right or no? Oh, no, I'm left handed. Right. Okay. Yeah, we know. She pulled it out of my right and put it in my left and said, you're left handed. I guess that decision was made for me in grade one. Wow, that's very opposite of what happened very opposite yeah because yeah, i'm talking about people that like you know people your age or older mm-hmm. mom that like get slapped on the wrist for using the the south ball mm-hmm. right like that yeah maybe i wasn't holding the pencil right and she thought i could get a better grip with the left i don't know the reasoning behind it but that's what happened it was it was a weird experience i guess that is very interesting yeah that is very weird <laughs> Yeah, I guess as a follow, how do you find being left-handed? Are you dominantly right-handed in other things, but left-handed in writing? Yeah, so I only write with my left. Everything, and I eat with my left. But everything else, cutting, I use my right hand. And golfing, I would use my right hand. Like everything else seems pretty dominant, right? But yeah, I guess somewhat ambidextrous is that? Yeah, the right word. Yeah. 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 I remember getting my tonsils out when I was four years old back in 1977. It was in the old, old hospital. 
So we have the new hospital now, right? which is finally up and running. We had the old hospital, the QE2 hospital. Yeah. But before that one, there was a nether hospital before that. I don't know what it was called. But that's the hospital that I got my tonsils out in. And I remember they gave, I was in a shared room with another child who was like five and had swallowed a bunch of coins and they were pumping his stomach out. (laughs) And they gave me the window where the nurse's station was. And I'd always peek up and they'd get mad at me and tell me to go to bed. (laughs) But they were always in the room making noise. So it was kind of impossible that you want me to go to sleep but you're making so much noise and everything so yeah summers growing up probably more so when I was in junior high at Harry Belfer they had their science room was full of boa constrictors and birds cockatiels and budgies and hamsters and we got the job of taking care of the animals during the summers when we were around so we would the big thing was the, the snakes' names were Fred and Barney, and we would take them into the showers <laughs> and rinse them off just by the gym because it was right across the hallway, and we'd clean out the cages, and I remember having to go buy the food for the snakes, and yeah, it was it was interesting to see how that all was, right? And Was it live food? It was it was live food, yeah, wow. yeah. So I remember I remember going out to an acquaintance's farm out in Grovedale because she had kittens. <laughs> but I think by the second or third time that we kept going, she's like, "No, I can't do this anymore. It's wrong." So she wouldn't give us food for the <laughs> snakes anymore. Yeah, it was yeah crazy (laughs) it was sad it was sad but at the same time maybe it wasn't kittens maybe it was bunnies I don't know but yeah it was it was definitely an animal bigger than a mouse yeah (laughs) yeah they're just animals and they're just snakes they're just animals that need to feed on animals (laughs) but yeah we didn't as long as you didn't let it eat the birds and stuff that you were also taking care of exactly yeah yeah, no, that wasn't happening. Some of the other questions you asked me, Garrett, were um, any favorite teachers I had? Nothing really from my younger years, but come high school when you're trying to build that connection and get through those classes, that might be a little bit difficult. Obviously, Mr. Klukas was a huge one. Yeah, I remember going on a road trip and getting back super late and then going to school the next day. And this was, I think, grade 12 French. And I was so tired and I I had to get caught up on some work. So I went to his desk and sat beside him or whatever. And I passed out. I was so tired. And he just kind of let me sleep there until I woke myself up realizing what had happened. And he's like, just go home. We'll get you caught up another day. (laughs) But yeah, he just, he was so patient and understanding. Another teacher that I always think of, and I wonder where she is now, is Nancy Rosendale. And she was my biology teacher. And she just really took the time to teach me and help me along the way. And I really appreciated that. And then Mrs. Temple, I was always in in high school. I I did um, sewing classes lots. And that was kind of my passion. And I made my, my own grad dress. And Mrs. Temple was the teacher. And she just again, took the time to 
helped me through those steps of learning and such. And then there was my grade 10 social studies teacher was Mr. Barber, I believe. He was an interesting teacher. He'd sit at his desk behind his newspaper and do his own thing. And remember, we were watching this slideshow with a kiss tape. Yeah. And he left the room for a bit. And it's obviously during the time of having a Walkman. So I had my Walkman with me. And I think somebody dared me to switch out my music for the music on the slideshow <laughs> while the teacher was out of class. So I did. <laughs> And <laughs> anyways, it was a slideshow on Army and the Bedrock Times of stuff. And the song that came on was this Flintstones kind of rap. Yeah. So it kind of fit until the teacher realized that it was the wrong cassette. <laughs> and obviously I had to admit to what I had done. In order to get your cassette back. To get my cassette back, yeah. Yeah, I was a little bit of a troublemaker in junior high. I, uh, <laughs> a group of us decided to put chalk on the teacher's seat, obviously, when there was chalkboards back in the day. And we put chalk on the teacher's chair. Like chalk dust? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we decided at the last minute it wasn't a good idea. And I tried to wipe it off. But at the same time, the teacher comes walking in wondering what I'm doing. So I had to pay for her dry cleaning. So. That was a lesson learned. What else? A lot of the summers growing up, we would travel. Some years we would go down to the Okanagan, down to Kelowna. And I remember going and again, learning about the rattlesnakes down there. And they do little nature activities for the children that were camping in the area and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Or we would hop in my dad's old Suburban and haul our old little camper. I don't know if you guys remember seeing that in my parents' backyard when dad and I had met. It was just the tiniest little trailer. It would sleep four or five of us. It wasn't a tent trailer, was it? No. Anyways, it was just the littlest, oldest thing, but it would get us from where we needed to go. And I remember we would take that across from Grand Prairie all the way across cross to Ontario to see my mom and dad's side of the family. So it was usually either the Okanagan or there. There was one time when we took the trailer down to the Okanagan, it was when the Highway 40 wasn't paved yet. It was still graveled. And we were just moving along. And before you knew it, the trailer had wobbled. And my dad's like, oh, that's not good. So he pulled over and one of the propane tanks on the front of the trailer had wiggled itself loose gone under the trailer and was hissing out in the ditch oh no <laughs> yeah so we just left the propane tank but then when we got to the okanagan and actually checked the trailer some of the floorboards had lifted and we're like oh this needs to get fixed so very grateful that my dad knew what he was doing because if he tried to light the furnace that night we would have <laughs> we probably would have blown up because of <laughs> the gas leak and the pipes being broken and stuff underneath so we were able to get that fixed and all was good do you remember seeing very many animals on your drives down i suppose if it was highway 40 before it was paved there might have been a number of i don't remember seeing anything more than we see now like the usual deers and moose and mm -hmm. okay bears and yeah it, it's very wildlife right so and you would drive down through jasper national park too yeah do you often go down by Lake Louise to Golden, or would you go on the west side through Vailmont to Kamloops? Vailmont to Kamloops, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be the shorter way yeah. if you're going. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's probably a better road, at least compared to the Highway 93 through the park. Yeah. I don't know what that would have been like in the 1980s. Yeah, it was, I don't know. We we always had our destination to get to because we only had so much time off. My dad only had so much time off work too, so. Yeah. But then, I don't know what year it was, um, my dad had a dream that we were going to move back to Ontario. So he decided that he'd quit his job and take a flight and go out to Ontario and find this piece of property that he dreamt of, which he did. It was a gas station with a house attached to it and a little bit of a, I think a little bit of a restaurant. And I remember going and seeing it that next summer, but for whatever reason, the financing fell through and now my dad's without a job and we didn't get the place that he thought he would. So then my dad became a caretaker at Harry Belfer School. So which I think he enjoyed. It was just wasn't the same as an accounting job. But by then accounting had changed in regards to more computer usage and stuff. And my dad was just getting older and just didn't have those skills. So anyways, another trip I remember growing up, I know it's not much of the peace area, but we had taken via rail train trip with my mom and my sister out to Pembroke to see my grandmother. Wow. Which was really cool. Yeah. Three days and three nights on the train. So yeah, it's a, it was a long trip, but so memorable. Did you have to drive down to Edmonton to start that train? Because yes. I think the V line it doesn't go any farther north in Alberta than right Edmonton. Yeah, then. yeah. So we drove to Edmonton and then got on in Edmonton, and it was like I say, three days, three nights down. And I remember one night, I think it was somewhere in Manitoba. And the train had stopped in the middle of the night. And on the train, we weren't just in the regular where everybody just sits. We actually had sleepers. So we woke up because the train was stopped. And my mom's like, oh, don't worry about it. And the next day we found out that part of the bridge was a little bit unstable. And they just took their chances again to see if we could get across. So <laughs> I guess it was stable. We're here. Yeah. But my uncle from California and his wife had come up and yeah, those were good memories with Uncle Harvey and Aunt Rita and Uncle Harvey always wanting us to take us out to the chip trucks. And <laughs> Did you go all the way to Ottawa or Montreal? Like you didn't go to Toronto first or do you know? No, no, we stopped in Pembroke. That was the stop. Yeah, so that's before Ottawa. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's as far as we need to go, so... Well, wow. yeah, that seemed just guessing that you probably would have spent almost half the time then in Ontario on the train. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, it was it was good times. Like my sister and I, we'd made friends on the train and we could just run wherever we wanted to. It was like really free for all on the train, which was really cool. And the caboose of the train had a dome on the top of it. Yeah. So we would go up there through the tunnels it was pretty cool to just have that experience yeah that's something that we want to do is take a train out west from here yeah oh for sure it's not much more expensive than flying but it's a journey on itself like you're saying like it's three days so yeah if you're gonna pay the same price as flying well i might as well fly if it's faster but it's not the same yeah not the same no i can just backtrack here i no turn my page over here growing up I remember my mom would take my brother and I and sister to the library for bedtime stories. And that was when it was downtown on the corner of 101st Street and 100th Ave. Yes. Where the hobby store is. Yeah. And you go down the stairs and just around and that's where they'd have their little story time. And 
you'd wear your pajamas. So as soon as story time was over, you'd go home and hop into bed. Wow. But that was just something we would do as kids. And it's quite unique. Yeah, very unique. I don't know that they do it anymore. I know that they did when you guys were young. Like bedtime story time there? Mm -hmm. But living on the acreage was kind of difficult to (laughs) travel all the way into town and then back out. And everybody, there's so many kids, you have so many different bedtimes. Yeah. We had this adopted grandma growing up. Her name was Grandma Moon. And sometimes we'd go over for sleepovers to her house. And she was just an elderly lady. And I remember there was this picture in the basement that always freaked me out, though. So as much as she was a great person, this picture freaked me out. And I had a hard time staying at her place because those eyes would follow you no matter which way you went. It was like you're in a haunted house. It was kind of weird. But her car was like, I, it was just an old like Studebaker was like the best car ever. It was so awesome. <laughs> Did they live nearby as well? Yeah, they lived here in town in the Swan Avon neighborhoods. So yeah. And then growing up, I would do what was called Job's Daughters, which was we would go and learn about Job and his teachings from the Bible. And it was a group of girls and they're related to like the Shriners that do good for people in the, in, you know, the Shriners Hospital and help save my mom from polio and stuff. Yeah. So we would do those type of activities growing up and I would do piano lessons on Saturdays. I'd walk down the road to the piano teacher's house. And in the peace area, I remember going and visiting down by the Dunvegan Hill out between here and Fairview. And we'd go down and just have picnics down there. And yeah, we have pictures of us down there and just making memories. Did they have the museums and also the wonderful farm food there too, like they do now? They didn't have the farm. I don't think they had the farm food then, but they did have the museums and stuff. Okay. Yeah. For my mom's 80th birthday, I kind of wanted to re- redo that, the picture, because my brother and sister were there. And, but yeah, kind of difficult when my dad wasn't. So, yeah. Yeah. But growing up, I would do lots of babysitting for friends and in, in the area. And I think that was probably one of my first summer jobs was I would bike from our house here on 102nd Street and 110th Ave. And I would bike up to 95th Street and 108th Ave okay. every morning and take care of this little kid. And it was, yeah, that was probably my very first like real job, summer job. And after that, in grade 10, I started working at McDonald's and I worked there for like seven years. So between here and then when I moved away to Lethbridge. But in my final year of high school, I also ran for Miss Grand Prairie. I did not know that. Yeah, and I won I won the Miss Fitness end of it. Oh nice. It, it was the year they changed from the bathing suit competition to a fitness competition. So it was a good experience. Yeah, I remember freezing when it was speech time and then everybody thought I was done my speech and started clapping, but that kind of, you know, snapped me out of my my fear zone and then I was able to finish my speech. Yeah. And then I got a second applause. So I don't know. Was, <laughs> I figured I, I, I got double the applause. So, <laughs> so being like Miss Fitness, they just do like running or lifting or something. Like how did they how did they measure that you won? I think it was the effort I put into it because I was in the gym every day, and the sponsor from that saw that 
And then they did do measurements of you when you started Miss Grand Prairie and then at the end as well. So determined how much muscle mass you had and had you maintained your weight, gained weight, you know, where your muscle was and stuff. So yeah, it was pretty cool experience on the fitness end of things. Like I say, I worked at McDonald's for many years, worked my way up from an employee into the management end of things. But after I graduated, I did try two years here at the college. I needed to do a little bit of upgrading, which was great. And I think I I did well on my courses. But then the government back in 93, 94, were doing a bunch of cutbacks again to the education. And I'm like, well, if I finish my education degree, there won't be any jobs for me anyway. So that's when I decided to make the change and move to Lethbridge and do a year of fashion design and merchandising and get my certificate in that. And then from there, I moved to Calgary and worked at Fabricland and then worked at a seat cover manufacturer. Does that bring you up to 95, 96? Yeah, so I graduated from high school in 91. I did two years at the college here, so it would have been 92, 93. The year from 94 to 95, I went to Lethbridge. Yeah, so 95, I worked in Calgary. And end of 95, I worked in Calgary. Yeah, I was only like six months at the fabric store, and then it's probably a good year at the seat cover manufacturer. So lots of experience in the sewing and designing world. Then did you stay in Calgary after, like, after, you, after working at the seat manufacturer? You continued to stay in Calgary? No, I married your dad and we, I moved back here. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Were you working in seat manufacturing? Oh, so yeah, I stayed at the seat cover manufacturer right up until I came back to Grand Prairie. So up until December of 99. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that that's what you were doing? As like occupation when I met you as a little kid, learning who you were, that you had made seat covers or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a big process, right? And again, I I was kind of one of the senior ones around there. And that's when the owner of the seat cover manufacturer, obviously being eight hours away from Grand Prairie, he was kind of took on that parenting role for me. And he'd lend me the shop car and just help me out where I could because I was a single mom at the time. And yeah. He was able to help me out where I could, he could. And yeah, I've definitely had my party time living in Calgary, which was all good and (laughs) gave me different experiences. I wanted to ask you about that. Hmm? How was your experience in Calgary? Because Calgary is definitely a much bigger city than Grand Prairie is. Yes. Did you enjoy living in the city? Did you live downtown? I didn't mind it. So when I first moved to Calgary from Lethbridge, I lived with my sister right downtown. But then their lease was up, so I had to find my own place. And I just found this little teeny tiny one-bedroom apartment, which just suited me fine just a few blocks south of there. When I lived in Calgary, like I said, I worked at the fabric store. And then when that didn't work out, I knew I needed to make some sort of income. So some friends of me suggested that I deliver newspapers early in the morning, which was pretty good money because fuel really didn't cost lots. I had little firefly car and it was good on fuel and such and away I went and then I found this job at the seat cover manufacturer and the skills I had learned down in Lethbridge definitely came into play in regards to pattern making and I didn't actually do the sewing part but all the prep before the sewing yeah I could have sewed but my expertise was more on the design end of things so 
to fit the new models of trucks that were coming up and making sure they fit the trucks how they should and such. So yeah, definitely learned a lot from that. So it's really cool. So how was the move going from Calgary back to Grand Prairie then? I know that it was very different because you married our dad and took on a lot of responsibilities, but how was the move going back in terms of going back to Grand Prairie where you grew up in a smaller town? It was okay. Grand Prairie had changed a lot. When I left back in 94, there wasn't a Walmart. There was nothing west of the college. Right. So it's definitely expanded a lot. Like the Prairie Mall was the big mall. (laughs) There wasn't much north of Keddies, right? So, you know, there was a four mile corner intersection. And yes, there was Claremont. But again, Claremont was just the tiniest little town back then. Over even just, you know, since 90, I don't know when Walmart and everything got put in, but there just seemed to be a really big boom, you know, 95, 96, 97, 98, right? Yeah. So things really seem to explode in in the city. So I guess I'm not sure what I expected coming back yeah. to Grand Prairie other than kind of starting over again a bit, right? And yeah. making different choices. A couple of reasons were my lifestyle was different because I joined the church yeah. at this point. My priorities were different by becoming a mom yeah. to not just one, but to seven. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's quite, that's quite an undertaking. That's well, we won't downplay that. Yeah. That's a, a huge undertaking. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But growing up, I also did some Scottish dancing. Another huge memory that I forgot to mention was I volunteered at the hospital as a candy striper. And that was like so huge for me that I got to go and feed the elderly in Mackenzie Place. And sometimes I'd go and play with the babies on maternity after they were born and just go play with the kids on pediatrics. And I'd help deliver the food to the rooms and pick up their empty trays. And it just was a really good service opportunity for you. You said a a candy what? A candy striper. Candy striper. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting title. (laughs) I thought you said candy stripper. Nope. Nope. Which sounds like a really bad stage name for somebody. (laughs) Definitely not that. It was a candy striper because our uniforms, we were wear this little pill box hat like nurses did way back in the day. And we wore these red and white striped pinafores, little dresses. Candy cane. Kind of like a a candy cane. Kind of, yeah. So we were called candy stripers. (laughs) But those were good memories I remember of growing up in Grand Prairie. I did grow up in the Anglican church. And we were always busy with youth activities through there. And the Anglican Church does this big conference every like four years. And I had the opportunity to go to St. John's, Newfoundland back when I was 16 years old. And I was technically too young to go, but the person that was supposed to go couldn't. So they asked me to at the last minute. And then I got really sick. And then I got really homesick because I'd never been away from home for that long and that far away. So Yeah, it was definitely another experience of the small town of Grand Prairie that I considered was a small town into a big city of St. John's, Newfoundland. Like that was a, wow, there's more out there than this little teeny tiny town in northern Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. What was the Anglican Church? Was it the old building that they've been restoring or 
that you attended to? So, or like, when, when did that one go out of service? Is really my question. That year, I don't know for sure, but I do have pictures of my baptism day and my sister's baptism day in that church when it was on the corner of 99th and 102nd. Yeah, right by the 214, just south of the 214 place, right? Yeah, just south of the 214 when it was on that corner. Yeah. It wasn't, exactly. it wasn't just the church building, though. Growing up, there was another building right beside it. Not right beside it. There was, I don't know, probably 50 feet in between the two buildings. But it was the hall where you would have your Sunday school and other fun activities. Okay. So you'd have the main service in the church and then you would go across the gap to Sunday school? Yeah. Yeah. Even in the cold of winter, would you have to go outside to it? Yep. <laughs> yep, we would. Yep. And then beside that was the rectory is where the priest would live. So there used to be a house there as well. Yeah. And then, like I say, I don't remember what year I'm guessing before I was 12. Yeah. Um, is when the other church on the south side of Grand Prairie opened up. So I just remember right after I graduated high school and when I got into construction, the company I was working for had moved that mm-hmm. in church. One of the first projects was across the street or just like a block or two away mm-hmm. to another location. Because the owner of the company I worked for was married in that building. And so it had value to him. Yeah. And so he was helping out with the group who was trying to restore it and get a heritage status or yeah. whatever they were working on. Yeah. And so I got to work on that project a little bit when I was like 18. Yeah. And the Turners, they're Anglican too. I remember that name growing up. So. Yeah. I don't know what stage it's at now, but we didn't finish getting it up to date. <laughs> I want to say it's being used by somebody, but I'm not sure who. So I think it's done. That's an impressive step forward. Yeah, if they can use it. Yeah. If someone's using it other than the pigeons, it's probably pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask um, what your experience was like going from living at home to not living at home. So you said that you spent some time going to college in Grand Prairie. I assume that you probably were still living at home then. Yeah, I was living at home because I, yeah, needed to still pay for school. Yeah. But I also still worked, seemed like full-time hours. So again, I didn't probably put a 100% in working full-time at McDonald's and going to school full-time. Right. Yeah, so that's a lot of work. <laughs> so so it, was, it was a lot. And yeah, I was in the party scene, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> Was there only one McDonald's at that time? There was only one McDonald's at that time. Yeah, because there was there was nothing literally west of the college, right? So that would have been the second location. Yeah. Out by on the west side. So it was a McDonald's, but would be north of the old bypass? Across from Ernie's. Yeah, across from Ernie's. With a path just right there by the bypass. Uh, yeah, close to right. the Prairie Mall. Just north of the bypass at 100th Street. Okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and then you said you moved down to Lethbridge and lived with your sister? So she lived in Calgary, but I went, after I left Grand Prairie, I moved to Lethbridge, which was probably about the same size. Actually, no, because they had a university. So I think Lethbridge was a size up and gave me kind of some, and I was a little bit older then, like I wasn't straight out of high school either. So I graduated just before I turned 19 high school. And then two years, 2021. So I was like 21 when I left home, like Grand Prairie home to go. So it wasn't wasn't like I was straight out of high school either. But then going from tiny Grand Prairie to a little bit bigger center, having my own car, you know, trying to spread my wings a little bit, 
but I lived just outside of Lethbridge at a friend's place okay. in Co- not Coldale, Colehurst. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just drive back and forth from Colehurst to the college. And I also got a job down there at the McDonald's, obviously to pay, help pay some of the bills and such. Yeah. And yeah, did my year there. I really enjoyed it. Lethbridge only had the one year certificate program at the time, which was fine for me. Um, Had they offered the two year, maybe I would have taken it. I don't know. But there, yeah, from then I went to Calgary and then I lived with my sister. Oh, okay. In in Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. Just for a short period of time. And then it was time to move out on my own and figure things out how to do it on my own. And Right. So at that point you had a lot of experience on living, you know, not with your parents and living with other people. So like by the time you were living alone, like you were saying in that small Mm -hmm. one bedroom, you had a lot of sort of experience on taking care of yourself. Yep. Yep. That sounds like a nice transition through too. Sometimes it can be really hard if you go straight from high school and like living at home to not living with parents anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that you would ever move back to Grand Prairie or the Peace Country if you hadn't met Ronald Brown? I don't know where that would have taken me. <laughs> That's a deep hypothetical question. That is yeah. a very is deep hypothetical question. Um. My parents were still here and I'm grateful that I'm here now for them, but would I have moved home just for them? Probably not. Like I had, I had a job, I had a career in Calgary. Yeah. I just joined the church in April of 99. Right. So I was still trying to figure all that out too. So had your dad not come and swept me off my feet, maybe somebody else would have, I, yeah it's all takes. yeah it's just hypothetical uh, all hypothetical yeah we d- i definitely had some learning curves in calgary of how to spend my money properly and how not to spend my money properly and who to hang out with and who not to hang out with so i did have my beautiful megan in calgary and i'm so very grateful to have had her yeah we're grateful too Megan's pretty awesome. <laughs> she is pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome, yeah. And she just fit right in with everybody. And yeah, obviously some difficult times through that though of making the decision to not be with her father anymore. And yeah, but knowing that I could provide a better life for her and move forward from there, right? To give her the best life I felt I could. But in the meantime, I'm not proud of having to claim bankruptcy, but the debt that was caused from many trials in life had to be resolved somehow so I could get back on my feet. So stay financially wise, people. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Mm-hmm. So, Mom, as we're coming to conclusion here today, is that all right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Hopefully I was able to give some insight on the North of growing up and our travels across the country and <laughs> experience i've had yeah and lots of things that i didn't know about yeah. which is great yeah and we definitely want to have you back again with dad so that you can tell us more For sure. together oh yes it's always important to have both sides of the story yeah. <laughs> and that way we'll have the rest of the story as paul harvey would say <laughs> yeah but in closing today um do you feel like you have any feelings that you want to share about the peace country or anything else It is a beautiful country up here in the north. The long, not sure what I think about the long nights. 
you know, the nights that the sun doesn't go down, you know, I know you guys have been further north where it really doesn't go down, but when you're in the summer, when you're working to the daylight, isn't always good for, (laughs) good for you that, oh, I should have been in bed (laughs) a couple hours ago when you, it's still daylight, but um, no, the north is beautiful and it is just another spot on the earth where we get to have experiences and and grow and learn and enjoy the beautiful northern lights so another thing you probably wouldn't get anywhere else right so the the north definitely has its beauty and i'm grateful for the time that i've had in the north but one day that too will change yep (laughs) who knows when but i (laughs) yep i haven't really spent much time in the north since i uh, started university and yeah i definitely miss the long summer days yeah. But I don't miss the uh, the cold winters. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. But the long winter nights are excellent for astronomy. So one of the questions you'd asked me, Garrett, was any life lessons. Something I guess I've learned from a life lesson in the north is appreciate what you have. Appreciate that you have a roof over your head. Appreciate that in the cold we do have the warmth. So. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today, Mom, and having you participate with our show. I hope other people enjoy your stories. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we're really grateful for everyone who listens to the show, and we're really grateful for those who make the Peace Country such a great place. If you'd like to help us out and subscribe or follow to the show, that would be really nice. Help it grow a little bit, help more people hear about the beauty of the North. Or if you'd like to email us feedback, you can tell us at lifenorthofthe54th at gmail.com. It'd be great to hear from you. Let us know you're listening. There's lots of people have stories to share, and we want to make sure people can hear. So, Mom, thanks again for coming with us and taking us on a journey through your memories. We can't thank you enough. It's really, memories are really precious, and we're really grateful that you were willing to share them with us today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share them and share what the little spot on the earth can bring peace and joy and happiness to everybody in their life. Yeah, we look forward to having you on again. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye.